0: Stay hungry, stay foolish.
1: So now on the Innovation Show, we welcome Steve Waddell, founder of Nasoni. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you, Aidan.
0: Greatly appreciate it.
1: Great to have you on the show. And it's a different type of show because we often cover innovation in a new market, looking at new products, etc., Often software, often artificial intelligence, etc. You have gone and done a very, very difficult thing, which has gone into a mature market to disrupt it, which is the faucet business. And I'd love to talk about the challenges that brings, et cetera, Steve. But before we do, it's just great to get a bit of background on you. Oh,
0: sure. I'm happy to do so. The first twenty five years of my career were at Newport News Shipbuilding. They build nuclear powered aircraft carriers and submarines. You know, I learned how to build the world's most advanced ships. And I started out on the waterfront in the apprentice school where I learned to really work with my hands on those ships. And, you know, I went to school at night, got my degrees at night. And so a few years later, after being on the waterfront for seven years, I moved into engineering. And I became, actually, I went and progressed to becoming a nuclear refueling engineer for the USS Enterprise. Following that, I left there and went into other engineering disciplines. And, you know, I kind of became known as someone who could fix things that others couldn't fix, particularly in engineering. And and I attribute that to, you know, having such a good waterfront background, hands-on kind of knowledge, whereas other engineers that you know, come straight out of school, they don't have that kind of background, so they couldn't see the things that I did. And that served me pretty well. You know, I've been known for process improvement as well. And so after 25 years of being in the shipyard and working in that role – I left in 2007, and I joined my wife's startup called Reed Integration, and I helped her grow that over ten, the last 10, 11 years to a multimillion-dollar company, and Reed Integration does government consulting and training, and so in that regard, I helped her build the infrastructure, and I learned what it took, or what it takes, rather, to grow a startup successfully um, with infrastructure such as the corporate uh, connections and in, in legal, accounting, finance. So that all of that is being leveraged now to help me start up what we call Nasoni. And I'm still working for her at Reed Integration while I do this so that you know we can cover the bills, obviously.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have two curves going at the one time because this curve you're on, which is disrupting a very mature market, brings with it huge challenges. I mean, you're changing the way people think and to give people context, we're talking about the faucet here, the water faucet, the thing we use every single day, multiple times to wash your hands, wash your teeth, et cetera. You've looked at that, you've seen the problems with it and you've decided to give it a go. And as is in your nature as a problem solver, you've spotted a problem that you want to solve.
0: You know, there's a, there's a show called Bathastic, and the guy, Matt Munster who is uh, on the show. He's the host of the show. And he came and spoke um, not too long ago, and I went to see him. He asked the audience in front of him, how many of you use your bathtub in the last week? And no hands went up. He said, okay, in the last two weeks, no hands went up. In the last month, one hand went up. And he says, okay, Steve, that's what he's talking about. He says, nobody really uses the bathtub. So if you have another bathtub in your house, when you go to remodel your bathroom, I want you to rethink how you use the bathroom, and, you know, consider major change. Get rid of the bathtub and make it a a spa-like destination. And he started talking about all these different things. And I apply that same thought to the faucet. If you think about it, does it really meet your needs? You know, right now, all the water does is go down. So it allows you to wash your hands, right? But we have a lot of other needs in the bathroom when you use a faucet, or for water, rather. Like, for example, when you brush your teeth. And... In order to rinse after you brush, typically there are three options. You can cup your hand and pull the water up. You can use a cup, or you can tilt your head under the faucet. And I even heard when I asked people how they do it, one person told me they brush their teeth in the shower, which I would never heard. <laughs> and, and the funniest one was when I asked my stepfather, you know how he does it. He told me he just takes his teeth out and throws them in a cup. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easiest you know, way. Yeah. So so the thing is the the. The faucet currently doesn't meet our needs. If we were to design a faucet today, we write down the requirements, right? That's the process of building something. What are the requirements that we need to meet? So the other thing is, you need ladies need to rinse makeup remover off. Men want to rem- remove shaving cream, right? Rinse shaving cream off. Uh, we could even have a need for an emergency eye wash station in the bathroom. None of those need- needs are met by the current faucet.
1: Steve, you know we talked about you versus going into like a software startup, for example, and what's currently on trend, because you you see these trends all the time, like artificial intelligence, machine learning, or you see cryptocurrencies and people are getting funding from a PowerPoint, but because they can see what you're disrupting, that actually makes it a challenge because they know what you're talking about. They have a context, they have a framework, they have biases in their mind, and that makes it very difficult for you. How do you get funding for a project like this? You know, it's, it's funny
0: that you mentioned that because you're right. It hits it both ways. I have, in addition to bootstrapping it myself out of pocket, um, I've needed additional funding. You're right. So I have entered numerous startup competitions and, you know, they, they have those around the U.S. Uh, um, to help companies that are trying to get started. They have pitch competitions. And, you know, I have won almost every one that I've entered. And one of the things is it's been refreshing um, to some of the judges to not see another software project, another app. You know, they see something that's tangible. They see something they can relate to. Uh, However, as you mentioned, it is a mature market. And there was one contest that I entered and I actually entered it twice and I lost both times. And I'm like, why am I losing this? Turns out one of the judges there was telling the other judges there's no way in a mature market like this, there's no way he'll be able to take on Kohler, Delta, Moen and all the big name companies because they have a lock on everything you know and i thought about that and i thought what if somebody were to tell them you could never start up cook out five guys or shake shack because we already have mcdonald's burger king and hardy's new restaurants pop up all the time that are competitors and they're successful you can be successful in a mature market if it's done right and you have a product that's desirable
1: and one of the biggest challenge for those companies you mentioned is actually innovating from scratch because their innovation will always be incremental. It'll be a better version of what they were before. What you've done is you've taught it out from the beginning. You've gone back to the start. You've gone back to the user experience, and you've gone and created it from scratch.
0: Some people tell me that when you try to do anything that's new and different, you need to find a painkiller. And, and you could argue right now, this may not be necessarily a painkiller, because we've all grown up with the faucet as they are. And so it's a different experience that you have to get used to. Or that actually, it doesn't take long to get used to, once you use it, then, you're, then you miss it when you don't have it. But I'll tell you, from a business perspective, like Kohler, Delta, Moen, it's a really a painkiller for them uh, if they were to have it, because right now, all they have to compete on is the finish and the shape or style of the faucet. They have no new functionality to add. The last time functionality was added that we know of to the bathroom faucet was in the 1930s when Al Moen combined the hot and cold handles into a single lever. So this is the most, the major uh, functional change to a faucet that's happened
1: in over 80 years. That's the beauty, Steve, isn't it? I mean, because they're making money, because it's a product that is in every house, in every building. It's nearly sold before it's even built. And because they have that pipeline of so many products, there's no urgency. There's no burning platform. And it takes somebody like you to come in from scratch and go, you know what? I'm going to give this a go. One of the things that's really interesting from this show's perspective is... Not just what you're doing, not just the product you're doing and the innovation you're doing. It's actually the mindset behind how you're doing it. And it must take unbelievable persistence to be able to succeed in such a mature market like this.
0: You know, you're absolutely right. And and it really comes from my background. Part of it's my upbringing. My parents uh, got divorced when I was young, and my mom remarried. And my stepfather is six foot three. My younger stepbrother is six foot two. My older stepbrother is six foot four, and I'm five eight on a on a good day. <laughs> so that always made me feel like yeah. you know I had to do extra to be living up to what what I perceived to be their ability because they were just bigger than me. So I always went above and beyond to try to to show that I was good enough, right? And that followed me all through my career. And it's actually paid off very well because, you know, one of the first things, um, when I vetted my, when I did my first proof of concept, I'll call it, wasn't even a prototype of the faucet. I showed it to my stepfather and he laughed and he said, what are you going to do with that? And I told him, well, you want it, you can use it for all these different things. And he said, I'll bet you a thousand dollars, you'll never sell one. So for me, I like those challenges because when people tell me you can't do something is when I go even
1: harder. Beautiful. Beautiful. And, and that, but it's that mindset, isn't it? It's that growth mindset that you have. And this is what really jumped out at me because I, I don't usually do shows like this, Steve. I don't usually talk about a product like this, but it it was the story behind you, I thought, that was really interesting because that formula and that now, I, and I didn't know that, you know, a little bit of knowledge you gave us about your upbringing because that, that can almost defeat some people. But you've decided, actually, you know what, I'm going to reframe that as an advantage and I'm going to go for this.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's just my nature of, of how I was brought up. Um, and, I, and I'll add to the story for you, Aiden. My stepfather was diagnosed with cancer, uh, colon cancer, two years ago. And um, last August, they, well, they removed part of his colon and all the cancer was gone. And so everything was fine for a couple of years. And now that he was 83 uh, the cancer had come back and it had spread across his abdomen and the doctor went out in the hallway last august and told my mother he had probably one to two years to live well they started chemo for him and of course i didn't want this to take this sitting down and say just he's, he didn't have any chance left so i researched what else they could do and i found this thing called the sugar baker method where they actually they go in your abdomen and they take your uh, internal organs out and they do a chemo bath and they put it back 93 percent successful so i told my stepfather about it he and i we found a doctor locally and he was going to do that but you had to do these six rounds of chemo first and i'm going to tie this to the faucet in just a second he started going through those rounds of chemo and after the fifth round he got very ill and my mother took him back to the hospital and he was down two liters of fluid and they, they sent him back home, and the next morning, the my mother couldn't get him to move at all. She had to call 911, or which is our emergency services, and they took him in an ambulance back to the hospital, and that was October 1st. And on October 6th, two days after my birthday, he passed away. So going from him telling me that I couldn't do this, could never sell one, he saw me develop the faucet over the last three years, and I actually have one built, and I gave him one. He put it in his bathroom this past year. And he became a believer so now you know I kind of dedicate or attribute this faucet to him I really want to get it to the market now because of that conversion from him saying he was a doubter you know that I couldn't do it and becoming a believer
1: beautiful even that story Steve behind it is is key I find like the best products have a story behind them and and the founder like you has a drive that goes with that story and it's an authentic story this is all part of why it's so great to connect with you and his reaction at the start, I'm sure that's been the industry's reaction as well. What kind of reactions do you get?
0: I've heard that, that, you know, people will not accept it because they're used to living with what they got. They don't need it, that kind of thing. And, you know, I even went to a show in Orlando, Florida, two weeks ago. And that's where I debuted the faucets. I had a booth set up and I had them all sitting lined up, some a, a beautiful set of faucets. And people would pass by. I even had two vanities with water running. And you could see the water coming out of the top. People would tend to pass by unless if I flagged them down and they come over and they would say, well, what do I need that for? And then when you go through all the use cases and you show them in the video and, and they even try it,
1: they're going, wow,
0: where can I buy this? When can I get it? And it's a, you know, it, it's once you experience it, it's a true conversion. But people really are resistant to change. And that's what we've got to overcome, uh, you know, in our marketing and, and all we do and getting the word out. And I'm not trying to change the other businesses yet, the Moens, the Delta Kohlers. That will change as we get onto the market and we gain traction and we start taking market share away from them.
1: (laughs) And and how do you you position yourself, Steve? I mean, you know, there's always room for a luxury product, for example. And this looks like a luxury product, but it also looks like it's not just about design for design's sake. It's actually a more useful or more usable product as well.
0: Yeah, let me, let me get into that just a minute. You know, from my engineering background, when I first started doing this, you know, I thought, okay, if I reinvent the faucet and I add this new functionality, people are not just going to trust that you're going to build a decent faucet, you know, because they don't know you. They don't know your brand. They don't know anything about you. So I need to build a great quality faucet in addition to having this new functionality. So I researched what it, does it take to make a great faucet. And I learned there are three key things. Number one, the material it's made of. And the best material for faucets is either stainless steel or lead-free brass. And stainless steel is hard to work with. So all the, the good, really good faucets use lead-free brass. And that's what we use in our product. The second thing is the heart of the faucet is the valves. And the best valves are what's called ceramic disc valves. And we actually use ceramic disc valves from SEDAL in Spain. We've got that captured. And then the third thing that makes a great faucet is the finish. And the best finish is called physical vapor deposition, PVD. Now we've got the makings of a great faucet by having those three primary components nailed down. And then you add in this new functionality. So now I've got a trustworthy, great faucet with more functionality than any other faucet on the market.
1: And Steve, how do you go about this? I mean, it's easy, for example, and this is why I say this about a, a startup with a software product, because they go in with a PowerPoint. But in your world, because there's a tangible existing product in the market, you almost have to show that. Do you? What do you do? Do you get a, a 3D image, video of it? How do you start?
0: Let me back up to the very beginning um, to, to build my proof of concept. I went to the hardware store and I bought a fiberglass sink. This fiberglass sink, I bought a faucet, and I bought what's called a shut-off valve. At the mouth of the faucet, you have typically a strainer basket. And I unscrewed the strainer basket, and I put the shutoff valve where the water comes out of the faucet at the bottom. And then I connected it all to a garden hose outside in the driveway, and I drilled a hole in the very top of the faucet. Turned the water on, and when I hit the shut-off valve, the water came out that hole in the top. And it worked just like I I planned, you know, and and that gave me my proof of concept to show people. But the next step was then I've got to engineer a solution because I obviously didn't have a design. So I went and found, I I started to go with a university, local university, to see if I could get students to do it as a student project. However, I never heard back from them. And then I'm thinking, okay, maybe I could go back to the shipyard and talk to some of my friends that, you know, had fluid dynamics background and CAD modeling and so on. But then I thought, well, they don't have that uh, tool set at home on their home computer, and they can't do it at work. So they weren't going to be able to do it for me either. So I went online, and I said, you know what? I'm going to try this, this, all these online tools for freelancers. And at the time, there was something called Elance, which has been merged with Odesk and is now Upwork. It's called Upwork.com. And I found a freelancer that had CAD modeling and fluid dynamics and so on. I showed him my video of my proof of concept. and uh, and told them, this is what we need to come up with. So we came up with an engineered solution that would uh, do all the things I needed, uh, which was really a ball lever valve at the mouth of the faucet. And then at the apex where the hole is in the top, we actually just designed a new type of valve that had a spring and a ball combination. So when you created the back pressure by closing off the downward flow, uh, the water would come out the top. And then uh, from there, uh, I decided I needed to patent that solution so that nobody could take my idea in the U.S. and and other places and and roll forward with it. And I I look around, I I contacted an attorney friend from uh, my wife's company, and he gave me a a patent attorney locally, and that guy was just too expensive. Again, I'm bootstrapping this out of pocket, and I'm entering these competitions to try to raise funds, and I'm I'm winning, like I said, a number of them, but I didn't want to spend that kind of money yet, because I really didn't know if I had anything yet. So I went back to Elance, and I found an attorney in India. And this attorney had experience with the U.S. Patent Office. And you could read his profile. You could see others on these tool sets. The neat thing about it is they have star ratings, uh, you know, like one to five, right? And I only looked for the ones that had the best ratings and great feedback from their the, the customers that they had. And so once I had weeded out all the non-performers and get just the top-level guys, that's where I found this patent attorney. And we worked together and put together, you know, both a utility patent and a design patent and and the good thing about it you know you think about the design patent those are easy to work around you just make a minor change and and you have a, a different patentable idea but what for me it did is the design patent was a lot quicker to get approved it took only one year for it to be approved versus two and a half for the utility patent so after the first year that patent was approved i could then go around and tell people i have a patent of design and a lot of people don't know the difference between a utility and patent they're going wow you know cool so so from a marketing perspective on my efforts it was tremendously beneficial in the startup competitions especially
1: a little bit more in the patent because that's where a lot of people would give up i often find people have great ideas and they just they kind of give up and go it's too much it's too much hassle and you found ways here and you know i wouldn't have thought of using elance or one of those services to find a patent attorney because That's one of the biggest challenges for people. The patent cost kills people before they've even started. What kind of advice can you give for people who may have great ideas like this?
0: Well, you know, typically people will recommend you do a provisional patent. And that's good for one year in the U.S. uh, while you flush out your design idea. And then you can apply for a utility patent. Again, the difference, utility patent uh, covers the functions of what it is you've invented, whereas the design patent is the external look and feel of the whatever you've invented. And for me, uh, I did both. And I, again, mentioned why the utility patent is really the functions that are able to, uh, what you call the claims. That's where you write out all the claims and how that, how it works and what it does. And, and I'll go back to the fact that I used an India attorney from India. When it, after the next two years of working on this project and, and getting a lot further along, building a website and getting business cards and now making this thing a lot more real, I wanted to make sure that the patent was approved, right? So when you file for a patent, you're always going to get typically a rejection from the patent US patent office anytime you do this the first time. And you have to respond to their whatever they found as a finding against your claims. They may find another patent, let's say, that has a similar functionality, and they'll say this claim uh, isn't valid because of this, right? So at that point, I had invested a lot more time and energy in the project, and this is really becoming more real. So I said, okay, now I need to find an attorney that I think uh, can really help me get it over the bar, right, and get the patent approved. And I got a good friend of mine who uh, went through a school called Babson, which is the, the, the biggest entrepreneurial school in the U.S., And he has a number of patents himself, and I called him up, and I said, hey, John, I need a patent attorney now that can help me ensure my patent gets approved. I got this rejection letter from the patent office. And so he gave me the name of a guy uh, named Don Mofford, and uh, I I got a hold of that guy and and talked to him about my my issues, and he took took the whole challenge on. He wrote the uh, feedback to the U.S. Patent Office, and within six months, uh, we finally had the patent approved. Now, I will tell you, though, at those times, again, all I had done was re-engineered the downspout of an existing faucet, and I needed a full faucet design of my own. And and starting 2017, in January, I found a company that could help me come up with a CAD design for my full faucet design. And I actually went to, I don't know if you have a Lowe's or Home Depot there, big hardware stores. And I, I looked at every single faucet they had and I felt the handles of every one and I found what I liked and what I didn't like. And I jotted all those requirements down. I jotted it, I picked, pulled images off the web and I gave all of that to my designer, my CAD designer. And I said, here's what I want. And I want the back of the faucet to be on the handle to be a little thicker than the front. I want a nice wide blade uh, handle. And I, I want it to have uh, no kind of ornate function or look to it. I want to make sure it's nice and clean so you can easily wipe it down. Uh, Gave him all the requirements from all of that, and we came up with the design you see on my website, which is nasoni, N-A-S-O-N-I, dot com. And and then from there, we had to engineer the the solution internal to it. So we have a factory, and it's an ISO 9001 certified factory in China that actually spent over a million and a half dollars in getting ISO certified. And we worked to redesign the internals to the faucet. And we came up with a design and what I told them was, I did not like what we had come up with at the top of the faucet where the fountain valve is because it was a one-off type of thing, right? It was our own unique design. Now my concern there was, if we take that and go to certification testing, now keep in mind a faucet to sell in North America has to be certified. So in order to pass that certification, they will cycle the faucet 50,000 times. You know, my concern was this new design valve at the top that we had come up with was not proven. So my direction to this factory was I want all the internals of the faucet to be whatever we can from commercial, what's called COTS here, commercial off the shelf, proven products. And so we came up with this great new design. So now what that gives me is what we call a strong IP, intellectual property, barrier from for other companies trying to enter this market or trying to copy what i'm doing because now i have, I'll have four patents you know on this product
1: brilliant see, and steve how, how do you see it all panning out i mean you you've shown massive resilience and persistence here but like the, the pathways perhaps in a, a digital world or a startup world is usually try to get acquired by the big guy but you don't seem to be doing that at all you seem to be going hell for leather to go i'm gonna do this without any of these guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, right now a lot of people typically go license a product, and if you guys watch Shark Tank, you'll know Kevin on Shark Tank. That's one of his big things. It's oh, this is ripe for licensing because they have the distribution, they have this, that, and the other, and they can do more than you can. However, my concern with that is the typical royalty on a license is three to five percent. So if the company sells a million dollars, right, you get thirty to fifty grand, and yeah, you know, I just really, I didn't really like that. I thought, okay, it's more lucrative if I can go to manufacturing. And things are a lot different today than they were, let's say, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, it's a connected world. And we're able to find manufacturers and relate. And Like you and I Skyping, right? Uh, yeah. You're in Ireland. I'm here in, in Virginia in the U.S. You could have done that 20 years ago yeah. like this. So it's a different world. And I'm of the opinion that uh, I think I can bring this to market. I'm, I don't think I can. I know I can. Uh, so – we're going forward now. If along the way somebody makes us an offer we can't refuse, maybe that changes things. But as it is, uh, we're going to market, and there there are at least three different ways I can think of right now that I need to go through to get funding to for what's called my MOQ minimum order quantities with the factory. You know, one is I can I can bring on an investor right and give up some percentage of the company, and that would be like I could go on Shark Tank right and work with one of the sharks. And have them buy into the company. But the third way, which is what I'm really looking at now, is Kickstarter. And through Kickstarter, I can put down my funding goals. Because the next thing I need to do, we're ready. We're at the goal. We're at the finish line. We have done so much. We've built a website. We've got our own domain, which is nasoni.com. It's a six-letter domain. Those are very desirable because it's easy to get to. We have the intellectual property. I've even trademarked in the U.S. the name nasoni. We've got so much now going forward that uh, it's worthwhile continuing
1: down the path we're on. You've connected all the dots. So, Steve, you're, you're looking for funding. So I'll give the links. You mentioned the YouTube video. I'll give the links to the website, et cetera. But you mentioned looking for funding, and you mentioned Kickstarter. If somebody's interested both in the product themselves or else may be interested in funding, where can they find out more and get in touch with you? I just You can go to
0: my website at nasoni.com. There's a email links in there. There's contact information. And on the Kickstarter side, you know, I was going to mention this a while ago. Here's my challenge on Kickstarter, right? I've got two different faucet types and two different finishes, chrome and stainless steel. And I've also got this third finish called gloss black nickel, which is beautiful. It's my favorite. But that results in six different types of faucets. And so, and, and the minimum water quantity for, for each of those is 350. So now you're talking 2100 faucets. That becomes a pretty large goal. You got to figure out, okay, which subset of those should I go on a Kickstarter with? If you have a master bathroom in the U S you typically have two faucets in there and you're not going to buy just one. Obviously you have other products in the bathroom. You have the the bathtub, which has a, a faucet set. You have towel bars and things like that. People want to match their finishes. So it's hard to just come out, let's say with Chrome when somebody has brushed nickel, because that you know, that's not what's going to sell. Gotcha. So I've got to try to figure a way to offer both and, and yet, have my Kickstarter goal be reachable so that we can make sure we're successful.
1: Brilliant. Well, hopefully we can raise a bit of awareness and people can get in touch. So Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Great hearing your story. Steve Waddell, CEO and founder of nasoni.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much,
0: Aiden. It's great to have such a, a world, bring a smaller place with us being able to talk together, you and in Ireland and me here in Virginia. I love it.
1: Thanks a million, Steve. Thank you.